Here we are, Locked On NFL. Brian Peacock, I'm here with former NFL scout Matt Williamson, taking you around the league on the Locked On Podcast Network. You can find us everywhere that you can find podcasts, and you can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. You can find Matt at Williamson NFL. We're going to get into the latest news around the league, and we're going to get back into our division-by-division division MVP candidates and breakout candidates, and today's will be the AFC and NFC North, and special guest Peter Bukowski helping us break down the Packers for the NFC North, host of Locked On Packers, will be joining us in segment number three. Matt, how you doing, my friend? I am great. I am back in my dorm room here in St. Vincent College in Latrobe, PA. There are two more practices, so I have one more night here, and then camp breaks, and I'll be back home, and uh, I'm not too disappointed about that. So we do have a little bit of news to get into today. Uh, Let's start with the non-trade so far of Jadavian Clowney, and there were reports that they might have had a deal with the Miami Dolphins, but that Clowney had squashed that trade, did not want to go to Miami, and then Houston Chronicles' John McClain said that he would be surprised if Jadavian Clowney was not traded now. Yeah, John McClain's really dialed in. He's one of the best out there in terms of beat writers. Trust him a great deal. Uh, so it sounds like they're, they're very, maybe even by the tan- time people are listening to this, he gets dealt. I could see why he wouldn't want to go to Miami. I'm not sure. I mean, I assume he won't come cheap. I mean, I know you have to pay him. That's a huge key here. I mean, that's where you're really, if you acquire Clowney, that's where he's going to hurt you the most is your cap and the the money he's going to need. But if you're a total rebuild like the Dolphins, that seems like an odd guy to go after. Not that he's old, um, but just uh, you need all the draft picks you can get. I mean, I assume it would be a draft pick compensation swap of some sort. Um, that just seems like a move that a contender should make. Yeah, and maybe Miami trying to jumpstart their rebuild and get going a little bit sooner, but I definitely can see why Clowney would not want to go there. And it's essentially a free agent signing for whatever team signs him. They've got to find somewhere he's willing to go, someone willing to pay him, and then figure out the compensation after that. What kind of compensation would you be looking at for someone that still has to sign him to probably a pretty mega contract? See, that's what's interesting is, like, I bet he's going to say, I want Khalil Mack money. I want, you know, Aaron Donald money. I want money in line with one of the top five, maybe ten players in the, on defense in the league. And he's a very good player. But he's kind of unique, too. Like, the way Romeo Cornell and their defensive staff has used him over the years has helped him a lot. I mean, people think of him as an edge. And, yeah, sure, he lines up on the outside shoulder of a guard and rushes upfield a fair amount. But more often, you'll see him aligned inside. I mean, that he, he'll he line up over guards um, more so than against tackles and edge players. Uh, they He's very powerful. He's very long-armed. Um, he's great against the run. He stacks, he shed, he shocks. But he's not Von Miller dipping the shoulder running the arc, getting low, you know, or an inside-out type of move. He's not the flexible edge guy. So you better have a plan in place, and Houston's used him really well. And I can't quite pay him like a Von Miller. Yeah, that's a great point about what kind of player he is, and he's a unique player in that he's a power, sort of upfield, bursty rusher and not that bend the edge, turn the corner type of sack collector that you would think about a stud defensive end. But still a great player. 
And if you don't have a clowny, you want one. And then if you do have a clowny, it's like, man, how much do I pay this guy? Can yeah. you afford to have a Watt and clowny and do everything you want to do? Eventually, you got to pay Deshaun Watson. Still a ways off for that. And I would think that they could get something done, but it sounds like it's not going to be a long-term deal in Houston for Jadavian Clowney. So that'll be interesting to see what team actually makes that move and decides, you know what, let's do it. And maybe a team thinks, you know what, maybe we can make a big move now and have that impact that Khalil Mack was to a degree for the Bears last year. Yeah, and I kind of think that might be a little bit of a mistake. I mean, if you look at it like we're going to trade a bunch of first-round picks and give this guy gigantic money just like the Bears did with Mack and see what they got out of him, I think you're overspending. We'll see. It'll be a fun story the next day or two. Absolutely. We've talked a lot about Andrew Luck's injury, and it hasn't seemed like a super serious story. And then it breaks on Tuesday that he might be dealing with a bone issue. And Colts owner Jim Ursay said it was a, quote, small little bone issue. So not just a calf. <laughs> uh, is there a broken bone in there? Is there a calf injury and some sort of a bone issue? Is it a bone bruise? What are we dealing with here? And some, like Jim Ursay's uh, a little bit of an oddball, so I don't even know what to make of his comments there. And if there is something with uh, a more of a, a serious injury than the calf, I wonder if maybe team executives are thinking, hey, Jim, maybe calm down and don't tell people about this because obviously they're trying to keep it quiet if that's the case. Yeah, it, it's starting to get strange. Uh, a lot of things surrounding Mr. Ursay seem to get strange <laughs> within that organization, <laughs> and um, he's gotten himself into trouble with some things over the years. Uh, who knows? I mean, I don't. I'm not saying the guy is lying. I mean, it probably is a small little bone issue. Um, does that mean it's a little bone? Does that mean it's a little issue? It's not a little issue to the person that has a <laughs> small point. little bone issue. Um, I did read that there. There was some speculation it could be Achilles related. It sounds like that's not the case. So I guess that's positive. And I do think again, I'm not a doctor, but I do think a bone injury is. Easier to diagnose, heal, predict than soft tissue stuff. Okay, Matt, let's take a quick break here and jump into our divisions, starting with the AFC North, then we'll get to the NFC North and talk with Peter Bukowski of Locked On Packers. Dudes, remember those days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com, that's blue like the color blue. I've told you about them many times. If you haven't tried it, you're out of your mind. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know that they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Guys, I never understood the pill thing. I mean, hey, you're going to make an appointment for an hour from now? I mean, Blue Chew works so much better. Um... Now, this isn't just for guys that can't perform. It's for any guy who wants extra functionality to enhance their performance in the bedroom. That's all of you. Um, Blue Chew is prescribed online, shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, zero awkwardness. Made in the USA, and Blue Chew prepares and ships direct. They're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, they have a fantastic deal for all of you listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment totally free when you use our promo code LOCKEDONNFL. All you're paying is $5 shipping, and you're getting way more than $5 worth of product. And the promo code is LOCKEDON. Again, that's BlueChew.com, promo code LOCKEDON to try it free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. 
and we thank them a great deal for sponsoring the podcast. So the AFC North is a division that you are very familiar with, Matt. Uh, Let's save the Steelers. Let's start with the Packers opponent coming up tomorrow, Thursday. Uh, Packers and Ravens will be playing preseason week two. Uh, Who do you have as that uh, MVP candidate for the Baltimore Ravens? Yeah, and for those that didn't hear the earlier shows, we're trying to avoid the the very obvious ones, the quarterback. Um, I have two. I'm not saying Mark Andrews is close to being an MVP candidate, but I do think he will lead that team in receiving. Um, I think he'll be Lamar's favorite target. We saw some of that last year, so I think he just kind of bears mentioning. But I think the addition of Earl Thomas is going to go a real long way for these guys. Is They lost a lot in their front seven. They lost a lot of pass rush along with Mosley. But that's probably the best secondary in the league. They're phenomenal at disguising coverages. They're a very heavy blitz team. And not that Weddle wasn't this guy, but I think Thomas will kind of sit back in center field as well as do you know some things around the line of scrimmage and quarterback the whole thing and orchestrate it like a conductor in the symphony and just be the eraser, allow those 10 in front of him to be very, very aggressive. And thank you for pointing it out. Yeah, it's it's almost more like what could be a team MVP here because there's obviously yeah. uh, the pool of players that could become league MVP is pretty small these days. And like we mentioned last time we did this with the, the West conferences, uh, it, it might be every MVP for the rest of the history of the NFL might be all quarterbacks. It's like that's the way things mm-hmm. are going here with uh, with the NFL. And it's been a while even since they've had a non-quarterback as an MVP. you got to go back to Adrian Peterson, I believe, to find a non-quarterback. And then it was five straight years of quarterback before that. Um, there's one player making waves in camp for Baltimore, and he's getting a lot of rave reviews, and he's a big, fast, athletic wide receiver in Miles Boykin. How do you feel about Miles Boykin coming out of college? Do you think he's the type of weapon – that uh, could really do well with the type of quarterback that Jamal, uh, that um, Lamar Jackson is? And how about the first-round wide receiver? Yeah, I, I'm really high on Boykin. I was shocked he lasted that long. I mean, his combine numbers, especially when you factor in his extreme size, were unbelievable, including changing directions, not just straight-line things and jumps. Uh, I thought he looked really good in the preseason game. Uh, like Marquise Brown, but... 60 pounds difference. He is definitely a field stretcher. Uh, as much as they run the ball, I think he'll be a potent blocker. I think he'll bring a, be a nice compliment to Brown. I think he's going to play a big role this year, and it doesn't sound like Brown's going to be healthy for a little while. All right, Cleveland Browns, AFC North team. They're the darlings of the NFL right now. A lot of people think the division is theirs for the winning. Is there any players there? Obviously, you've got the quarterback, the gunslinger in Baker Mayfield primed for his breakout season. Yeah, and I'm a believer. Um, I love Odell. I mean, I think there's a lot of star power here. But when it comes prediction time, I might pick Miles Garrett to be the defensive MVP this year. So I think he's primed to go from being a great player to a transcendent elite type of guy and a big jump could be coming for him. I'm looking at the draft for them there. We highlighted a guy on Monday that had a great opening preseason game. And that was linebacker Mac Wilson. Uh, There's a lot of young players on that team. They've done a good job drafting. They've got some veterans in there. Now Uh, I'm really interested to see how that Browns team comes together. Uh, Is there any breakout candidates you like any young, you know, first or second year guys? 
I mean, this one's kind of easy, but I think Nick Chubb could be a pro bowler this year. I mean, I think he could have a gigantic year, especially before Kareem Hunt comes back. I was really impressed with Hollywood Higgins this past week, and the buzz has been really strong on him. He's kind of blocked by Jarvis Landry, but he's a high-quality young player too. Cincinnati Bengals are an interesting team. You've got Andy Dalton. They're still hanging on with him. They It seems like they need to really turn that roster. A.J. Green would, to me, be the guy who's the obvious MVP candidate. He's going to be on the shelf to start the season. Uh, I, I really don't know what to think about this team, except they're, that they're not going to be very good. What kind of an MVP candidate would be on the Cincinnati Bengals roster? Yeah, you got to squint a little bit for this one. But I, I, I went with Joe Mixon. I think I've told you before, I think he's a more talented Todd Gurley. His supporting cast won't be as strong, but his usage will be with the new coaching staff coming over from L.A. So I think Mixon could have a a big year. I also think Tyler Boyd should be highly productive, but, you know, you you got to squint a little bit. Geno Atkins is a great player, but things there's bad vibes coming out of Cincy right now. I love the Jonah Williams pick. And now he's hurt for the season. Uh, the rest of their draft class, there there was not any players that really jumped out to me. And so I don't know if there's going to be any young players that help carry this team through a rebuild process. So I don't, I don't really know what this team needs to do. And, and I'm actually having a problem trying to figure out who the young player is that could break out. They had a mini breakout last year from Tyler Boyd at wide receiver. I don't know if there's much much in them this year to, to really take a yeah. huge step. And I, apologies to the Cincinnati Bengals fans out there listening, and, I, and I'm, I'm kind of crapping all over that team, but I just, yeah, I'm, I'm having a rough time with them this year. Yeah, you got to strain a little bit. And these I'm not sure these guys, and certainly these guys aren't certainly rookies, but they're high-quality players that I expect to get back to playing at a really high level it would be William Jackson, the former first-round corner, mm-hmm. and Carl Lawson, the defensive end edge guy. Um, again, I mean, we kind of know who they they are. They need to stay healthy, but I think both of them could be more household names a year from now. Oh, that's a great one. Carl Lawson, I'd forgotten about that one. A player I loved coming out of Auburn and yeah. uh, a really good edge player. He's stout and can get the corner and um, I think an underrated player around the league dealing with some injuries of his own there in Cincinnati. Okay, let's go to the Pittsburgh Steelers and the team that you cover, the team that you are currently on site covering it's Big Ben squad. Is he your MVP guy? And you got anybody else in mind there? Yeah, I mean Juju won the team MVP last year, which kind of infuriated Antonio Brown. He's going to have to be a massive focal point, of course, if they are to get back to the playoffs and be a perennial contender. But yeah, it's got to be Ben. I mean, they need to spread the ball around more. Ben has to be a little smarter with the football, um, and he needs to be Superman a little bit too. I love what I saw from 55, the rookie yeah. linebacker in Devin Bush in the first preseason game. James Washington looks like he could be the breakout guy. He could be the benefactor of Antonio Brown moving on. Yeah, I think those are the two obvious candidates. I feel safer in saying Bush is going to be a high-quality player, and he's going to be on the field every snap. Um, last year's first-round pick, though, Terrell Edmonds, I think is also in that conversation. Played, I think he played the fifth most snaps in the league of any defensive player and more than any other rookie. And a lot of people killed the Steelers for taking him at the end of the first round. But he's much more comfortable. He's highly athletic. I think he could break out a little bit too. All right, Matt, let's jump into the NFC North. Let's start with the, the Bears. They are the team, I think, to beat in that division. Although the Vikings and Packers are very good, Lions uh, might be a rough go for them right now, but they still have some talent on that roster. The Bears, 
my Khalil Mack. I mean, if there's going to be a guy who's that surprise non-quarterback, maybe even defensive league MVP, I could see Khalil Mack being that guy, especially since it's it's not a Trubisky-led quarterback-led team. Right, and I'm not sure how to even pick on offense. Mack jumps off the page almost in like an Aaron Donald-like manner where he has to be the guy. Um, you got to think, too, he's had a whole offseason with this team. He doesn't get traded there in the middle of the year. Probably more comfortable. New defensive coordinator gives me just a smidge of pause. But this is a great player. This is a Hall of Famer in his prime. And how about a breakout from Mitch Trubisky? Is there more? He's got physical talent. He can run. He oh, can throw. Yeah. I like the arm. Um, maybe even, uh, and I've, I've kind of compared him in the past to Jared Goff because he didn't have a ton of experience in college as a thrower. He was a very high draft pick. I love Matt Nagy as his head coach. Is there more there? Could there be a big-time run in Mitch Trubisky leading that team? Maybe. I, I think he has more tools than Goff. I mean, I think he's bigger, stronger, faster, and his best throws are wow. It's just consistency with him. So, and there's some bad balls too. You know, like you don't see Goff throw the stinkers that often, and Trubisky will throw stinkers. So, I don't know. I, I mean, second year in a very quarterback friendly offense, good scheme driven, you know, head coach. But I need to see consistency before I can predict it. I think Anthony Miller at wide receiver is a breakout mm. candidate I like uh, if that passing game does take off. And then, of course, the rookie running back who's going to replace Jordan Howard and David Montgomery. Yeah, two great calls. Montgomery looked phenomenal this past week. Uh, Miller, it came out. I mean, I think I forget who was interviewing him. He said something like, yeah, my shoulder popped out like seven or eight times during the season last year, and I'm finally feeling healthy. Like, I bet it's hard to play receiver with a shoulder <laughs> out of the socket. You know? I, I can't imagine. <laughs> um, I've also found myself, I know this isn't what we're doing, but I found myself not only getting Miller a lot in like uh, mock fantasy drafts I've done, but also Allen Robinson. You know, remember he's now two years off that knee. I think their receiving core is going to be better than people think. Let's move along to the Minnesota Vikings, who I like their draft. They had a good draft. They already had a very good team. They've got a heck of a defense there, and basically they're going to go as far as Kirk Cousins can take them. Yeah, and there's a lot of candidates on defense you could pick. There's two great receivers. I'm taking Dalvin Cook, though. I, I mean, I don't know what the Vegas odds are in terms of league leaders in rushing, but I bet you get pretty decent odds on Cook, and if he plays 16 games – you might just hit that Kubiak system just pumps out rushing yards. And I think he fits it perfectly. It's just durability with him. Yeah. It's similar to a Shanahan running back. You want to have a Kubiak running back and I don't know where physically he's going to be. And if he can ever carry the load for a 16 game season, but the talent is obviously there with cook and they don't have to lean on him completely. So mm-hmm. an interesting team. And I love that tandem of wide receivers. They have just, a really good, well-built roster. And then Garrett Bradbury, the rookie center. Uh, I, I don't know if I've seen, and there's usually some pretty athletic centers out there. The way he moved, I was blown away when I first watched that North Carolina State tape and watched Garrett Bradbury jump out of his stance as a center. Uh, if you didn't tell me he was 6'3", 305 pounds or whatever he is, I would have thought maybe he was a fullback by the way he moved around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, he... I think he'll pay off immediately. Uh, O'Neal is also a really good athlete, the right tackle. He was like one of the only positive members of that offensive line last year. So I think they could have two really good athletic young building blocks that Kubiak should love. And the last one I want to mention too is Irv Smith Jr. I mean, 
you mentioned Thielen and Diggs. They don't really have a third receiver. I know BB's, you know, kind of a nice story and he'll play, but I think they're going to play a lot of 12 personnel with Irv Smith kind of being the pseudo move tight end receiving type guy. And I watch Kyle Rudolph and he runs like me. I mean, Irv Smith might be better than him already. <laughs> What's your 40 time? <laughs> not good. Okay, so that's not a good thing. I, I wasn't sure where you were going with that. <laughs> All right, let's uh, move on to our friend Peter Bukowski, who is the host of Locked On Packers. Let's run our MVP and breakout picks by him. Okay, Peter Bukowski joining us from Locked On Packers. Peter, you're on with Matt and Brian. How are you, my friend? I'm good, guys. How are you? Fantastic. Great to have you back. Yeah, How doing well. Going through that AFC North yeah. or the NFC North right now. Looking at your division rivals there, it's a, it's going to be a fun division. There's a lot of good teams there, and it could go a number of ways. And I think the number one thing when you're looking at the Packers, the health of Aaron Rodgers is where it all starts. So first of all, I guess we got to start there. Where is he at? Uh, the health is is not a question anymore. Uh, it, it seems like he's good to go. He's he's practiced in training camp and through MTA or MTAs, uh, OTAs. Uh, without any problems. So from from a health standpoint, he's good to go. I, I think the health question that seems to be dominating the narrative right now is the health of his relationship with Matt LaFleur, right? And whether or not that's going to work. Uh, and Rogers, you know, said this week, uh, I, I don't have to prove anything to anyone about my relationship with him. I think he is annoyed with all of these discussions, he's had to have a lot of these questions. Robert Mays at the Ringer wrote a really good piece about the relationship that they have and the offense that they're trying to build. So, I mean, I think that is, if you're a Packers fan right now, and, and as someone who talks about the team every day, the actual prospect of playing games could not come any sooner because everyone, the Packers included, are sick of having these conversations, to be quite honest. Is it a fair question, though, with what happened with, Rodgers and his old coach, or is even that overblown? You know, I, I think it's a fair question insofar as uh, when you look at Hall of Fame quarterbacks, they rarely have to start over at the end of their careers with new coaches. And uh, it, it's just, or at least if they do, it's someone who is, you know, internally promoted. You think of Peyton Manning and and uh, Jim Caldwell and, and some of these other examples. Peyton Manning again in Denver. It was like, okay, if you're Peyton Manning, you're running Peyton Manning's offense. This is a, a Hall of Fame quarterback having to adjust to not an entirely new offense. These are two offenses that stem from the the, the same bones as a West Coast style of team. But the, the difference in play calling and play design in preferences in terms of the run game, the play action game, there's a lot of differences. And they, or there is a learning curve here. And Rodgers admitted, like, look, I'm not where I, where I normally would be at this time of year, because I had, you know, what, 14 years in a system and that system looks different now. And I have to be, you know, I have to be learning every single day. I mean, he had a PhD in the Mike McCarthy offense and now he's back and he's having to do 100 and 200 level courses with Matt LaFleur's offense. It's going to take some time. Yeah, it absolutely is. I mean, it's a very different scheme. I'm sure everything about it's different. I'm curious about Aaron Jones, though. I mean, we saw LaFleur mm -hmm. really lean on Derrick Henry to finish up his time in, in Tennessee. I'm hoping he does similar things with Jones because I think he has talent way beyond what we've seen yet or his other running backs on the roster. Yeah, there's no question about that. This, is, this was a hire 
when it was made back in January, that was greeted with a lot of praise from, in particular, fans who felt like Mike McCarthy had subverted the role of Aaron Jones to a point that was just uh, nonsensical. And eventually, Jones was just so good that that McCarthy couldn't keep him off the field. Uh, and you're right. I mean, when you go back and you look at Tennessee's offense, part of the reason they leaned so so hard on Derrick Henry in the second half of the season was it was clear to Matt Lafleur that the outside zone heavy concepts were were not an ideal fit for Derrick Henry in that offensive line. And with the quarterback issues that they had, they were not going to be able to do some of the interesting offensive things that they wanted to do with pre-snap motion and shot plays because you have Blaine Gabbert. And that's just, it's tough to run any kind of offense when Blaine Gabbert is your quarterback. So I think that speaks to his adaptability. But when you look at this Packers offense, Matt LaFleur has said it over and over in his um, press conferences, this offense starts with the run game. And, and that's philosophically, uh, but also foundationally in, in, the, in the concept, because everything is off the outside zone. Basically, every formation has a run play, uh, an action play and a shot play associated with it. Uh, that's a very different structure than the offense that Mike McCarthy ran, which increasingly became a conglomeration of plays rather than an offense. And I, I think that's the biggest difference that we're going to see between the Mike McCarthy uh, philosophy and the Matt LaFleur philosophy. There's so much better cohesion in this, what is really uh, a Shanahan system. Shanahan the Elder really is the roots of it. Uh, and I, I think that's ideal for Aaron Jones to be able to be the focal point of this offense along with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I was going to say that sounds a lot like the the Shanahan offense and what is happening right now in San Francisco as well, coming from obviously the elder mm -hmm. Shanahan and, and passed down. So we've been talking here on the show about potential MVP candidates for every team and then breakout candidates. And obviously, if there's an if there's an MVP for the Packers and they do big things, obviously, it's going to be Aaron Rodgers. But looking at breakouts, mm -hmm. and we had a question on Twitter Tuesday about the number two receiver in Green Bay after Devontae Adams, and I expect more of the same from Devontae Adams. I don't know if he looks different in this offense, but tell me about Marquez Valdez-Scantling and uh, the other rookie wide receivers. And it's interesting. I was talking about how I loved the way the Packers did it. They needed a cornerback. They drafted two. They needed a wide receiver. They drafted three. And it turns out with yep. the wide receivers, maybe the worst of them is the first one they drafted. So if they only took one, <laughs> they would have missed out on Equinemius St. Brown and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Who's going to be that number two guy for Aaron Rodgers? Well, and this was something Brian Gutekunst can can trace back to his roots in in. 2014 with Ted Thompson, he did the same thing. He actually drafted three receivers that year. Uh, you know, you go back to Ron Wolf. Uh, they drafted three cornerbacks one year, one, two, three. So uh, this is something the Packers have a long history of doing. Brian Gutekunst was a scout actually hired by Ron Wolf as, as well. So that pedigree goes back a long way. Uh, I would say Marquez Valdez-Scanling is the guy uh, offensively who is poised to have a breakout kind of season. I think, you know, to Matt's point, the, the people who study this stuff, uh, the, uh, the NFL intelligentsia, if you will, the people who actually watch the tape and break down the games, understand how good Aaron Jones is. I don't think it's going to be a surprise to anyone if he comes out and, and gets enough carries to get to 1,000 yards. But someone like Valdez-Scantling, you know, I mentioned the structure of this offense. Every, every formation has a run, a play action, and a shot play off of it. Um, or, or, or run and an action uh, and a shot play off of it, whether it's play action, it could be a jet sweep action. There's something different uh, to draw the defense's eye. 
Valdez Scantling is going to be one of the guys, one of the primary guys who is the beneficiary of those shot plays. And right now, the connection between Rodgers and, and MVS is it, it's not uh, a, it's a work in progress. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers talked about it this week. He said, look, MVS is so damn fast. I'm still trying to get everything dialed in with him because, you know, it's it's hard to get on the same page with someone who can just run that fast. I mean, he's a four three guy at six two, two hundred plus pounds. That's a rare skill set in the NFL for someone of that size. So, if and when they get that dialed in, I mean, that's something. If he's hitting, you know, one or two of those a game, I said before the season, I thought he could have the kind of year where he has forty catches only but maybe he's got 850 yards and seven touchdowns because those catches are huge plays down the field. Yeah. They could have that. The Sean Jackson, like uh, stat line, two more breakout guys. I just want to throw at you defensive backs, Savage, the first round pick love Mm -hmm. how he could be used. And I think Alexander kind of already did break out, but might soon be realized that he's a, maybe a top 10 type corner in this league. Yeah, the corner position in Green Bay is fascinating right now because Kevin King is still dealing with the hamstring, and he is someone who, this is year three in the NFL, and he has uh, yet to play 16 games in in total. So he has to get on the field. Right now, Jair Alexander is the number one corner with a bullet. To your point, I think he has star cornerback potential. I mean, I think he could be... I think he could be Chris Harris, quite frankly, and he is already a tone setter. He's already a culture setter. His swagger, his attitude is contagious. You bring in someone like Darnell Savage, that same kind of energy, that same kind of swagger and versatility, that guy is a heat-seeking missile. And we haven't seen a ton of it so far to this point because he's being eased in. He had uh, his wisdom teeth taken out just as training camp was going to open and then had some complications along with it. And so he he's being eased back into it, but he's going to be the number one safety Uh, that deep safety, and they're going to be able to move Adrian Amos around a little bit. That is Peter Bukowski. Uh, If you guys are Packers fans and not subscribed to Locked On Packers, I I don't know what you're doing with your life. Peter, thank you so much for joining us here. (laughs) Good to be here, guys. Thanks. And that's going to do it for today's episode. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Be back tomorrow with Mike Sando here on Locked On NFL.